0: And welcome once again to another edition of Our Line Starts. Lee McHugh alongside Patrick Sharp and Keith Jones, virtually alongside anyway. We are, just like you at home, waiting for the NHL to return. Hoping to see live hockey, I would say, in just about a month. We do know that Phase 3 of the return-to-play process is slated for July the 10th. But, guys, we do have some hockey news to dive into as the Hockey Hall of Fame class for 2020 was announced, and they are right off the top, Jerome Gimla and Marion Hosa. Kim St-Pierre, who was a net for the Canadian women's team as they collected three Olympic golds, five world championship golds. From the builder category, Ken Holland gets in. And from the weight is finally over category, we have Doug Wilson, and Kevin Lowe. We're going to talk about those guys in just a second, but Jonesy, I'll start with you. And Let's start with Jerome McGinley. 625 goals, a couple of Rocket Richard trophies. He'll be the fourth black player inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Your career's crossed over quite a bit. What do you remember about playing against Jerome McGinley?
1: What I remember the most, him is how tough he was. And He, he obviously played in those high-traffic areas. He wouldn't have scored that many goals if he didn't, but most importantly, he protected his own ice. He didn't need anybody to look after him. him. He was going to get out there, and he was going to punch you in the face if he had to. Uh, he would fight you if he felt like you were causing issues with some of the players on his own team. Seemed to have everyone's back. He was a tremendous leader in Calgary. He was the face of the franchise forever, and did it with a certain level of class along the way. I had a chance to meet him after my career and. Craig Berube was a teammate of Jerome's in Calgary and got together and had dinner with him after a game. And he was just an absolute gentleman, a pleasure to talk hockey with and a guy that really loved uh, playing the game. Uh, always appreciated the fact though, and how difficult he was to play against and obviously how productive he was throughout the, throughout his career. Very deserving to get into the hall of fame. And I'm happy it happened as quickly as it did.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret.
2: pre-lockout 2005, where intimidation was a huge factor in the game, and he played his entire career with that edge. He was a guy that could go through you, shoot the puck right past the goaltender. He could set up on the outside and find quiet areas. But I agree with you. The intimidation factor, the physicality at which he played with, kind of set him apart. There was a time there when the Calgary Flames went to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final that a lot of people felt that Jerome McGinley was the best power forward, best forward in the game, and that's saying a lot considering – He's a winger. He'd always stand up for his teammates. He knew when to drop the gloves and inspire his team. We played against them in a playoff series one time. We were up 2-0 in the game. Hawks in the Saddledome against the Flames. I had scored a goal. I was being a little yappy, I would say. I was running my mouth a little bit, and Jerome McGinley said, hey, let's go. Let's fight. I don't like the way you're acting out here. So I made a business decision and decided not to fight Jerome McGinley at that time. But my teammate, Adam Birch, saw what was going on. He jumped the boards, went right up to Jerome McGinley and said, hey, you can't call out one of our best players and not expect a fight. I'm ready to fight you. And Jerome looked at Adam Burrish and said, Sharp? One of your best players? <laughs> so that was uh, knocking down a peg or two. But when you played against Jerome McGinley, you knew when he was on the ice. He didn't win a Stanley Cup. And that seems to be one of the credentials you need to get in the Hall of Fame. Doesn't apply to Jerome McGinley. He was that good in every area of the game. And he was a gentleman off the ice as well. So absolute no-brainer for Jerome McGinley going into the Hall of Fame.
0: That's a Hall of Fame chirp right there. Uh, It really is. It
2: got me right to the core. I didn't know what to say after
0: that. I think he epitomizes what you want in a hockey player, right? You want toughness, you want talent, and then you want a guy who, after you've laid it all on the line, you take the gloves off and you can shake hands with and look the guy right in the eye. And that seems to be what Jerome McGinley was all about. Uh, And then we have your former teammate, Marion Hossa, who to me was one of those guys where I just watched him skate and something looked very different, even from elite players. Uh, you
2: know,
0: if no one had seen Marion Hossa play, how would you explain him to them?
2: Sure. Wow. I mean, when Nick Lindstrom went into the Hall of Fame, everybody said he was the perfect human, the perfect hockey player. I think the same kind of terminology applies to Marion Hossa. Talking with some of the old guys in Chicago, Patrick Kane, a couple of weeks ago, we both mentioned how, man, we really took Marion Hossa for granted as a teammate, as a line mate. He brought so much to the game. Look, when he was in Chicago, before he got to Chicago, he was lighting it up, all-star games, 100-point seasons, scored 30 goals eight times, 40 goals a bunch of times. He came to Chicago, and very rarely was he on the first unit power play. <clears throat> he played that top line with Jonathan Taves for the bulk of his career, played heavy minutes, was a great 200-foot winger. And Jonesy, that doesn't really get enough credit in Marion's game, I think. He's a winger, and he would on the, be on the ice in every key situation defensively. Yeah, he could count him for 30 goals, but he never complained. He was a gentleman in the locker room. Everybody loved him as a teammate. When he looked at Marion Hossa off the ice, he just looked like what an NHL player was supposed to look like. He was built. He was strong. He was well-kept. He always did the right thing. And I think our young core group in Chicago really appreciated how good he was to our team. We win three Stanley Cups. I don't think we'd get there without the contributions of Marion Hossa.
1: And he made every star player better, which is really – I think a lot of what you're talking about, he was an outstanding teammate. He didn't have to be the superstar. He was just a star, and he was a star every night. Uh, Opposition teams knew exactly where Marian Hossa was on the ice at all times and frequently lost the puck to him. He was tremendous at stealing pucks in defensive uh, situations where he would get back on the back check. He was ahead of his time as far as the way that he defended, uh, Pavel Datsuk very similar in that regard. Both guys were very good at getting back. And I guess Mark Stone's kind of like that now in the new generation of player. But Marion Hossa, <clears throat> you knew any key situation in the game, Hossa would be on the ice. Whether you're up a goal in the last 30 seconds, down a goal in the last 30 seconds, you know, pulling the goaltender, Hossa would be one of those players that you would pop out there. Didn't have to be, as you said, be on the number one power play unit and still just went about doing the right thing at the right time. I think that's what made him such an effective hockey player and well-deserved to get into the Hall of Fame.
2: And if you speak to some of the top players in the game, okay, Datsuk, Zetterberg, Sidney Crosby in Pittsburgh, Jonathan Taves in Chicago, these guys all had Marion Hossa as a winger, and they all have great things to say about easy guy to play with, throw the puck in his corner, his side of the ice, he's going to win that battle, he's going to be responsible defensively. And when you watch him play for his home country in the World Championships, the Olympic Games, his game went to another level. He was asked to do more. He was capable of doing more. Just a terrific hockey player, and I'm proud that he could get into the Hall of Fame. I'm proud to say that I was his teammate for a couple of years. Yeah, the
0: regular season productions there, the 525 goals, over 1,100 points. But he was a postseason producer as well. Goes to three different, three Stanley Cup finals in a row with three different teams then wins three Stanley Cups, the third was with Chicago, wins three Stanley Cups with Chicago. So Marion Hosa, Jerome McGinley, first ballot Hall of Famers. For other guys, obviously, the waits is much, much longer. And that brings us to Wilson and Lowe. And you look how long these guys have been waiting. Lowe eligible since 2001. Wilson eligible since 1996. A couple D men who definitely did their jobs in different ways, Jones.
1: Yeah, they were different. Doug Wilson had the slap shot. I mean, he had an absolute rocket from the blue line, uh, was a tremendous offensively gifted uh, defenseman, uh, was relied upon in all key situations. And most importantly, he put fear in the opposition because of that shot that he possessed. But there was some great talent as far as Doug Wilson uh, brought to the table on a nightly basis, had some tremendous years with the Chicago Blackhawks, and is continuing to contribute in a managerial role uh, running the San Jose Sharks over the last couple of decades, it seems. So uh, very good to see Doug Wilson get in there. For Kevin Lowe, he was a defensive defenseman that all all he did was win Stanley Cups. I mean, he won six Cups. I played against him when he won his last Cup with the New York Rangers. He was a tremendous player at fitting in with top defensemen on his team. Uh, it was Brian Leach that he was playing with with the New York Rangers when they won that Cup in 94 He did an unbelievably great job on an Oilers team that played wide open hockey at being one of the guys that Grant Fuhrer could rely on to get back there and at least knock the rebound away with the Oilers giving up so many A-quality chances. You didn't get those chances when Lowe was on the ice. So, read the game extremely well, uh, passed that along to his teammates, and I thought he was a, a very underrated leader as far as the things that he did with those Teams that he was involved with in winning six Stanley Cups.
2: I like the fact that the Hall of Fame is recognizing this type of player. Kevin Lowe, stay-at-home defenseman, because when you look back at those great teams he was on, we know about Gretzky, Messier, Glenn Anderson, Yari Curry. They seem to get all the credit and Paul Coffey, another defenseman that he played with. But Kevin Lowe was very much a part of those dynasty teams in Edmonton. He went on to New York to win another one. Uh, it's great to see him wait as long as he did to be inducted to the Hall of Fame. And Doug Wilson, another Chicago Blackhawk that had a great career on the back end. He's been in the league a long time. Now in a managerial position, done a great job with the San Jose Sharks. But as a player, smooth skating player, scored a lot of goals from the back end. And he played without a helmet, too, which I think is pretty cool. Though. Two worthy defensemen getting into the Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, Lowe, the seventh player from those great Oilers, the, uh, Oilers teams of the 80s to make it in. Six rings. You know, listen, he waited a long time, so he's a borderline guy, but he gets in. Jonesy, are you taking credit for Kevin Lowe getting into the Hall of Fame?
1: I think I pushed him over the top there with that last cup, and like I tell <laughs> every former New York Ranger that was on that team, including Eddie Olchuk, they owe me for that one. It was our my Capitals that took out the Pittsburgh Penguins in round number one. Otherwise, I don't think the Rangers are winning the cup, but uh, they like to debate me on that. I'll give them credit. They were a very good team, and overcame a lot of obstacles along the way, including the New Jersey Devils, who everybody had an issue with.
0: Well, there you go, Kevin Lowe. You now have to mention Keith Jones in your induction speech. Have to. We all look forward to that. So for Wilson and Lowe, the long wait is over for them. For some all-time greats, the wait continues. And coming up next on Our Line Starts, we're going to talk about some of those players who are not in the hall who probably should be. That's next. And welcome back to Our Line Starts. We are celebrating the Hockey Hall of Fame. There are 18 members of the Hockey Hall of Fame selection committee, guys. It takes 14 votes to get elected. For players, a maximum of four men, two women per class. Speaking of which, after this class, there will be 289 Hall of Famers. There are some guys still waiting, some guys who a lot of fans believe should, should be in the Hall of Fame who are not Jonesy, is there anyone you feel strongly about at this point who you look at and you're like, I don't understand this guy. He's a Hall of Famer. He needs to be in. And I know it feels like it's only a matter of time.
1: The, the one guy that uh, I keep hearing his name talked about is Alexander McGilney. And I do believe that he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He was a unique talent. Uh, he eventually broke through for a, a cup with the uh, New Jersey Devils. Uh, and he brought something to the table that a lot of players that have played the game did not possess and that was the ability to change a game uh, with his speed, his shot to go along with it and very frequently your game plan was to make sure you had an eye on McGilney at all times. He was an unbelievably talented player uh, that eventually kind of found his way in a system ironically that wasn't ideally set up for him when he landed with the Devils and Lou Lamarillo recognized that his team, although in, in many ways it seemed robotic, needed some pieces that separated them from the other teams as far as showing the ability to score some huge goals. And McGilney demonstrated that there. He was terrific with the Buffalo Sabres along the way, and I had an opportunity to play against him when he was in Buffalo. And as soon as he put the burners on, there was a real good chance he was going to blow right by you and cause all kinds of issues along the way. So I guess he would be the one guy just – uh, when I visualized McGilney's game, that brought a lot of fear to me in trying to defend against him because he was so gift, uh, gifted offensively.
2: Yeah, I like McGilney a lot. And you look at the career numbers, he's 10 games shy of 1,000. 990 games played, well over 1,000 points. But The thing that stands out the most about Alex McGilney to me is listening to his peers talk about him. Guys that played against him in the 90s, early 2000s, just rave about his skill level, how he played on another level. I feel like he will eventually get in. It's a matter of time for all the reasons that Jonesy just said. But what about Daniel Alfredson? There's another interesting case, a guy that's put up a ton of individual stats, played the bulk of his career with one team in the Ottawa Senators. Another guy that you'll have a lot of people try to find somebody say something bad about Daniel Alfredson, a great guy in the game of hockey. Uh, He certainly put his time in as well. Maybe he's a guy that, that gets consideration down the line as well. But... Uh, I'm trying to think of some other guys. Rob Brindamore is a player whose name pops up. Great all-around center iceman, captain for a long time. What about Keith Kachuk? American-born player, scored a ton of goals, parked in front of the net, kind of redefined that power forward. uh, Moe, he's got the two sons playing the league now, but I like playing against Keith Kachuk a lot. Again, great teammate, scored a ton of goals against the Chicago Blackhawks. Those are just some names that I think. But out of that list, we just mentioned Alex McGilney's got to be the top frontrunner. Jonesy, for you, Keith Kachuck, a Hall of Famer,
0: most goals of anyone who's not in the Hall.
1: He is. I, I hated playing against him and always appreciated everything that he did on the ice. And he scored some really difficult goals in a time when the power forward was something that every team was looking for. He was one of the best in the game at it. John McClare around the same time, was comparable. Uh, John LeClair's goal-scoring numbers not at the same level, though, as Keith Kachuk, although John LeClair did have an incredible playoff run with the Montreal Canadiens where he scored multiple overtime game-winning goals and then went on to Philadelphia and teamed up with Eric Lindros to be part of you know, the best line in hockey for five or six years, or especially the best duo in hockey over that time period. So those would be two guys that I would compare to one another, but I think Kachuk's longevity – and his goal totals would separate him from John, even though there was times when both Kachuk and John LeClair were either the first or second team end of the year
0: all stars. And that's would you say Leclerc better at his peak, but Kachuk I, a better I, career?
1: No, I think that I think they were the same at their peaks. I, I will say okay. that. I think they were both equally effective and both of them were great players who played with great players along the way and complemented uh, complimented those players as well.
0: So only one woman got in this year. Two can get in. I think if you look over the last 10 or 15 years, there are several women players who should eventually be in the Hall of Fame. And certainly Jennifer Montero's name has come up recently, so she could be someone who gets in very soon. Um, that's something that could change. Perhaps we could see more women eventually inducted in a single year. We know this. We know that several men and Kim St. Pierre all be very happy they're headed to the Hall of Fame. Kevin Lowe is in. He's a guy who won six Stanley Cups this year. There are 24 teams competing for the Stanley Cup. And coming up next, we're going to do a little mini draft. Out of these 24 teams, out of their players, who would you select first overall to lead you to the Stanley Cup? We'll talk about that next. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Back here on Our Line Starts, leaving with you, Patrick Sharp, Keith Jones. We are hoping to have live hockey, playoff hockey in about a month. The 2014 field is set, so we are going to do a little draft. Three rounds. Who you would take, players who are in this 2014 field, who you would take to win this tournament this summer, and here it is. Very fancy draft lottery. Our names are in there. We only <laughs> have to do it once. Very simple. It's not complicated. With the first pick in the draft, we have, oh, wow, what a day for you, Patrick Sharp. You get the first <laughs> overall pick. With the second pick in this draft, we have, this is the greatest draft lottery show in history. Ah, beautiful. So we know, Jonesy, trust me, this is you. I actually did write your name on it. Believe me. I
1: figured, I figured it out on my own. <laughs> exactly.
0: All right, Sharpie, here you go. You have opportunity, one player, win it all this tournament. Who do you take?
2: And I can only take teams that are in the tournament right now. That are in, exactly. So I am going to Alberta. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm taking Connor McDavid. And the reason I say that is because I'm passing on Leon Dreistottle. To me, Leon Dreistodel is the league's heart trophy winner this year. He's the most viable player. But going forward, if we're starting tomorrow, Connor McDavid's my guy. There's a he's a difference maker in so many ways. Whenever you're on the ice against McDavid, you feel on your heels. All you're not trying to do is survive the shift. He can change the momentum at any time. I think it's an easy decision. I know I'm passing on a lot of great players that we'll get into later, but I'm going with McDavid, number one pick. All right, you have made my
0: choice very easy. If I wanted a player who was going to win maybe the next three or four, I would have taken McDavid, maybe McKinnon, but I'm looking just for this one, and I'm going with Sidney Crosby. I'm taking a winner, a guy who does a little bit of everything and makes his teammates better and a guy who's going to be mentally prepared no matter what you throw at him. And Obviously, we are throwing something very different at all these players this summer. So with my first pick, I am taking Sidney Crosby. Jonesy, you're up.
1: I was going to take Crosby, but I'll shift to one of Sharpie's buddies, Patrick Kane. Uh, If you're looking for a guy that's done it before, that loves the spotlight, loves the big moments, uh, it'd be very difficult to come up with an argument and not choosing uh, Patrick Kane, a skillful player that just absolutely shines when the light's the brightest. He is the guy for me, and I have no problem taking him, although I was leaning towards Crosby just before that.
0: Well, I'm glad I stole him. This isn't fantasy football either. You don't get to go again here, and then we go back. We go all the way back to Patrick Sharp up top, who already has McDavid. You talked about Dryside. Are you going to add his teammate?
2: Uh, I'd like to, and I probably would if I was drafting a team, but I'm passing on dry saddle. He's already given him some love. He's not even going to be picked in the top four. That's incredible. I'm going to the back end, and I'm looking at the defense position. My top three defensemen available would be Yossi Carlson and Alex Petrangelo, and I'm going with the third one. Alex Petrangelo is my draft pick. Maybe it's recency bias. I don't know. I watched him play all regular season. He looked like a stud out there. He's on the ice all game long. He's scoring goals. He can play defense. We saw him do it in last year's playoffs. I think he's a big reason why St. Louis is a top team in the West. So that's my pick, Alex Petrangelo.
0: I can't wait for the articles to come out of winners and losers of this particular draft because right now I have Sidney Crosby and I am adding Nathan McKinnon. I am going to be strong down the middle. I now have talent. I have speed. I, I don't know if I – I may just not even select a third pick at this point. Crosby and McKinnon, the first two picks here – my team is stacked. I'm ready. Jonesy, you have Kane. What are you adding?
1: I'm going to add Alexander Ovechkin. I think those guys would look good playing with one another, especially on the power play. So Ovechkin's power game and arrested Ovechkin should lead to a huge playoff along the way. And also that Stanley Cup just a couple of seasons ago I think goes a long way in uh, giving me a great confidence in taking Ovechkin.
0: All right, so you got a couple of wingers there, no centers. You have Kane Ovechkin. You're going to have plenty of scoring. Sharpie back to you. You have McDavid. You took a D-man in Petrangelo, a guy who could have won the spike last year.
2: Who are you adding? I want Tom Wilson, and I want Ryan Reeves, but I'm going to pass on these guys because I think that they make a serious difference come a playoff series. You don't want to be on the ice when those guys are out there. I'm going to stick with my theme and look at the goaltender position. The two guys I'd be looking at right now, Boston Bruins goaltender Tuka Rask, or Tampa Bay Lightning guy, Andre Vasilevsky. And that's where I'm going with Vasilevsky. I love his game. I think he's primed to take the next step in his career. Tampa Bay was looking like they're firing things up and going to do a big playoff run. So I'm going with the big rush in net. Vasilevsky's my goalie. That's a pretty good top three. Center Iceman, defenseman, and goaltender. I think you guys are in trouble. You know what? I wasn't sure if
0: I was going to take a goalie here or a defenseman. Uh, and even I was looking at Hedman as a possibility. Uh, but I'm going to go with a goalie. You're going to take Vasilevsky. I'm going to take Carey Price Um, because I'm taking Carey Price, and I'm taking him off Montreal. I'm putting him on my team with (laughs) all-stars right now, and I think that's a different situation. He doesn't have to make up for all the mistakes of the guys in front of him. He has to play with this all-star team that starts with Crosby and McKinnon. So I'm going Crosby, McKinnon, Carey Price. That is my three. Jonesy, you have Patrick Kane. You have Alexander Ovechkin. Can I recommend another high-scoring wing for you? to balance out of this team you
1: you cannot you can recommend the smartest player in the game the guy that's compared to guys like Lidstrom and Hosa, who Sharpie was talking about earlier he is the perfect human Uh, Patrice Bergeron will be my center iceman to calm down both Kane and Ovechkin (laughs) when they get a little rowdy out there and Bergeron in my eyes, obviously, has had tremendous success in the postseason, came really close last year to get another Stanley Cup, and the Bruins have been great all, all season long up until this point.
0: All right, so there they are, three teams. Sharpie, who had the number one pick and took McDavid, adds Petrangelo and Vasilevsky. I have Crosby, McKinnon, and Carey Price. And then Jonesy, who did not win the lottery, unfortunately, but still winds up with Kane, Ovechkin, And a nice pick there with Patrice Bergeron as the ninth overall selection. I'm ready. This is the type of thing we're actually talking about hockey. We're talking about players. It feels like we're getting a little closer. uh, And it looks like we're about a month away. So, phase three, July 10th. And then we could see some games in about a month. Let's hope it happens. Guys, always great to talk with you. Thanks, Liam. See you soon, buddy. Thanks so much for joining us for Our Line Starts. Appreciate it, and we will see you next time.